2: To all things therapy. I'm your host, Lisa Tahir. I'm a licensed clinical social worker practicing as an intuitive psychotherapist. And if you've been following along, you know that you can catch this show on iTunes, Google Play, on LA Talk Radio. And um, I would love for you to continue to subscribe and rate this podcast. It helps me immensely to get the word out. The mission of my show is to change consciousness one conversation at a time. We will be doing that today with my guest, Emily Wilcox, who I will be introducing momentarily. I just want to thank you for tuning in. Today is episode 199 I'm really excited for this hour, this 45 minutes every single week to explore some aspect of what therapy is. To me, therapy really is about how we take care of ourselves in every aspect and in every way. And um, I'm, I'm available for sessions right now, especially during this time where you might be feeling a lot of uncertainty and confusion or even maybe a bit of paralysis around what to do and how to do it. I invite you to learn more about my work at my website, NOLA Therapy. It's the abbreviation for New Orleans, Los Angeles Therapy, dot com. And at my website, there is a link to this podcast. You're able to select which platform you'd like to listen to it on. I have a book coming out in November. It has to do with healing our core wounds through astrology, empathy, and self forgiveness. And what I identified was a paradigm to help you better understand the repetitive patterns you have and attracting experiences you don't want, yet feel like you keep falling into them, be it the same type of relationship or money that you're earning and not quite sure what might be going on. I found myself in that situation, even being a therapist at the time for 17 years. So I sought through meditation to understand what might be going on for me. And I started reading about the wounded healer archetype of Chiron that Carl Jung spoke about, discovered Chiron is an astrological placement in our birth chart. And I spent three and a half years writing and developing 12 placements of core wounding that help us to understand why exactly we repeat these patterns and how we can heal them. So the book is on transformation through personal responsibility, through changing our thoughts, which create our beliefs, which then fuel our actions. And so the book is something I'm really excited. You can learn more. I've been reading excerpts of my book every day on my Instagram, Facebook Twitter, and YouTube channel. It's all at NOLA Therapy. Today will be video number nine. I do like five-minute segments reading to you so you can understand more. It's about what it is about. Check that out. I I want to switch to my guest because I really want to have the most time for her. So Emily Wilcox is with us today. She is a relationship expert. She's a speaker, a consultant. Today, we are discussing her book called The Commitment Phobe. It's not you. It's him. And Emily, in this book, explores the painful patterns behind love addiction and commitment phobia and the combination of that pattern in love, in romantic relationships. She's an expert in childhood trauma and how that affects and influences our intimate partner attraction and selection Emily has been featured on the Oprah Winfrey Network. She's been featured in places like The Advocate, Curve, The Urban Dater, Diva, Outwards, and The Huffington Post. And you can visit one of two of her websites. One is The Commitment Phobe, the title of the book. The other is emilywilcox.net, where she's available for sessions to work with you and to schedule for speaking engagements. And Emily, I just welcome you, and I I appreciate you taking your time out to be with us. Hi, Lisa. Of course, my pleasure. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited about your new book, by the way. Thank you. You know, I thought a lot in reading yours, how you talk about this painful relationship pattern and the unconsciousness around it often. It reminded me of of what I'm writing about in in a different way, just more in general, as opposed to relationships. So thank you. Right. Right, right. Yeah. It's like, I bet your books are so similar. In reading mine, you
0: probably saw a lot oh my of the gosh. same things. It's crazy. Yeah. So, that's you know, I, that's Lisa. That's because we're just geniuses. <laughs> yes thank you. amen to that I will say yes to that I appreciate or, that or, or as I always say the, the road to wisdom is paved with
2: some tax. <laughs> oh my you know. gosh yeah because isn't it through our own I, I was about my first question and kind of comment to you is I noticed you said at some point in your book that this book was cathartic and healing for you mine was yes. for me and so I wondered yes. if you could share some of that with us
0: Yes, yeah, absolutely, and of course, I'm no genius by any nature, but um, I but you know it's funny because you know, I was kind of a bloody mess when they talk about the the wisdom path, you know, it's like I came out of it a bloody mess because i was I was you know in my love addictions it was just it was ever it was it it, it, it it enveloped me. I mean, it was everything mm. to me. Um, so it's funny, like now this whole quarantine thing, it's like I can't even imagine being a love addict in quarantine. Awesome. Um because you can't what, what are you gonna do? I would have had my little black book of men, like, okay, and I can't see any of these people. I can't get I can't exchange my sex for love. What am I gonna do? Um, but anyway, to go back to your original question was about the uh um um the original idea behind, behind the book and like it being cathartic for me. Um you know, I had been through so many love-addicted relationships. Mm. I call them in the book, I call them, as you see, push-pull relationships yes. because it's like one person's always pushing, one person's always pulling. And, you know, it was it was such a repetitive pattern. You talk about that in your book, you know, the repetitive experiences that we make. You know, and I didn't – It I knew I had the pattern because eventually it happened for so many years that I was like, okay, this is my pattern. Here it is. And it but just took me so much longer to actually – get to work on it and really because I knew it was going to be like oh my god I got to do this I got to got to, work on this I mean it, it's, it's work you know so um I actually had a horrible horrible breakup um my last breakup before I got before I got married I've been married now for 14 years but before that it was the same pattern it was it literally was each guy was like probably almost two years and they all overlapped and I think there was mm-hmm. like nine of them and then in between those there was like people that of course I would just date or sleep with because I needed some kind of love or you know self-worth these I had zero I had a zilch. you know I had nothing for myself so I had to get it from other
2: people you know the self-soothing I'm thinking to be soothed by others oh
0: totally yeah absolutely and I I, I didn't realize it was because I didn't love myself I actually used to think that being single was some kind of um, horrible it was like oh no being single like that's that's not, that, that means you don't have any worth if you're single. Mm. I mean, I actually used to think this, you know, so I had to make yeah. sure I was always with somebody, not only for how other people would view me, but for myself so that I didn't have to be alone. I mean, I didn't want to be alone with myself. I, I, I didn't like myself. So why would I want yeah. to spend any time there, you know? But after that bad relationship um, ended, I finally was like, okay, I need, I need to get this together. And I went to Barnes and Noble and I was looking for books and I picked out a bunch like you know, with Spiritual Divorce by Debbie Ford and, you know, Marion Williamson wrote it. Cause yes. I, just, I went and kind of like gathered some books and started just reading things. And, and you know, when we talk about transformation, you were talking about transformation. I, I underwent a transformation in, um, it was March of 2006. Okay. And I remember I been doing all this work for like months. It was like four months, work, work. And I mean like, you know, near suicidal thoughts. You know what I mean? Yeah. My thoughts were like, it was, I couldn't, I, and the, the devastation over that recent breakup, um, because I was actually married to that person was mm. so devastating. And the way he left, because I remember I came home one day
2: and he, and his stuff was gone and he was gone. I literally oh. went off a lot. Oh my gosh, Emily. Yeah, oh. I know. And so talk it, about but, the reenactment I mean, of abandonment. It was yes. literal abandonment yes. again.
0: Yeah. It's like how Oprah Winfrey talks about the the brick finally hitting you in the head. That was like my brick. It was yeah. like, wake up what are you doing here? I mean, and and you know what, and and thank God that happened. And thank God I married that person because it sparked not only, you know, my, my 15 year career now, but my, my, my self-love, my life, my, you know what I mean? I I never loved myself before that happened. So I got to learn how to do that. and It was so amazing. And, and so when I, when I finally did all this stuff and then I became a coach and I did these things, I, and I, I went and I wrote this book and it was like the book that I, was looking for when I went to Barnes & Noble that day. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yes. It was the book that I was looking for. So I was like, I have to put this information so that people have it. You know what I mean? Like people need to know this is like, this is, this is a pattern and this can be stopped and this is how you can stop it. And, and, you know, there's actually seven different types of commitment phobes. So it's like, you know, everybody can kind of attract a different type, you know? And I remember I would go over my friend's houses and I would say, you know, this is what's happening and you got to do this. And I I would go through these long, annoying lectures to them you know and I eventually like you know i need to put this all in a book because you know this this would be easier just to hand out the book and, and how yeah. it is but um but it comes from my own you know my own awful um
2: you know so you know this i mean stuff. you know this from your own life experience which makes us i think the most effective and relatable teachers and healers because yeah. we know yeah. what it feels like right to go through this right.
0: Yeah. And that empathy for for those that yes. are going
2: through it. Yeah. And you talk about, I noticed towards the, the middle to end part of your book about the role. And when you start to get into the healing from love addiction with self forgiveness, which I think is so important and empathy for oneself, because there's a yeah. lot of beating up and judgment of ourselves for pursuing, for staying in these kind of relationships yeah. for so long, yeah. some of the time.
0: Yeah. We are so hard on ourselves.
2: And you know, it's funny. I mean, we mostly stay a lot
0: of times, a lot of times people stay because they're like, oh, I don't want to feel like I wasted my time. So it's like, well, you know, why would you want to waste more time? You know, as opposed to just waste the time that that you have. Yeah. You know, but also, we, we we're obsessed. We're obsessed with the current guy until we're obsessed with the next one. Until we're obsessed with the next one. Until we're obsessed with the next one. You
2: know? What I hear, I hear there's fear underlying that. Like in both types, like in the with the commitment phobe and the love addict, there's fear. But but mm-hmm. not wanting to leave, it's fear of the unknown, fear of being single, fear of, you know, what you don't know yeah. versus yeah. what you do know. Would you agree right. with that? I, to, totally. Yeah. In fear of rejection you know, it's like
0: that, that's a big one, but yes, fear, fear. I mean, we're run by, as Mary Williamson says, we're run by two things. We're run by fear or we're run by love and we're run by subcategories of those, you know? Yeah. So yeah, I, I, I totally agree. And, you know, the commitment phobe and the love addict who's, the, who's his counterpart, um, those two have, and, you know, they can be men or women, they're interchangeable, but you yeah. know, I happen to write it most about men being the commitment phobe because it just happens to be, you know, the, the audience there, but you know, the, they both have two issues. They have, they're have they actually the same person. They just have opposite behaviors. But the, they both have issues with abandonment and intimacy. Mm-hmm. But the, the love addict is conscious. She's very aware that she has the fear of abandonment. And she's not aware that she has the, the fear of intimacy because mm. love addicts, we think, I want to be intimate, I want that. But the truth is intimacy is a precursor sometimes to abandonment because if I open myself up and I'm vulnerable to you, that means you, you might see who I really am and you could leave me. And right. the commitment, yeah, and the commitment, probe, on the other hand, he's the conscious fear of the commitment is intimacy. They know they don't want to get too close because when they do, they, they could get hurt. Um, and then their subconscious fear is abandonment because they really are, are worried that eventually they could get get abandoned. But a commitment would never really know that about himself. So it's
2: all very intertwined. It is. And how you just said it, it's the same person and different reflections I saw it as the opposite sides of the same coin with the love addict on one side having her abandonment issues and the commitment phobe on the other side having the intimacy issues right. and the commitment phobe pushing away while the love addict is pulling for more closeness and just yeah. how how painful that becomes to yeah the love addict self-esteem and self-concept and starting, you start to doubt yourself and wonder if your perceptions are real and your experiences are valid and it's so detrimental to the internal, internal concept of a person. Yeah. I mean, and also, I feel like, you know, if you're, if if he's
0: giving you mixed signals, the signal is clear. Do you know what I mean? Mm. Yeah. Can you say more about that? Yeah, because we, if we're, especially in the first, you know, two years of a relationship, when we think about the first, even the first year, we think about the honeymoon phase, we should all be in the honeymoon phase, but mm-hmm. most people who are in the relationship are experiencing problems within the first six months or within the first year, usually within the first five months. You know what I mean? Okay. But it's, it's, it's in the beginning. So it's always a, a, a bad sign when problems arise so early on. Um, and then, and then what the love addict sometimes does is she becomes the therapist of the couple, like, Oh, mm. let me fix you, you know, let me fix you so that we can be fixed. And it's like, it, it, it just starts to then to spiral a lot of control. It's like, well, he doesn't want to be fixed and nobody wants to be told what to do. And, you know, you're not a therapist. So you can't really say, you know, I tried to fix everybody I was with. Oh, yeah. I'm in charge of this. You know, <laughs> <Yeah>. it's like, <laughs> great. You know, it works out really well. Um,
2: <laughs> right. <not. laughs>
0: Yeah, but I mean there's 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 hope. There's there's hope for a couple that is is in a push pull relationship. They just both need to have um, mutual introspection. And it's hard because you know, the commitment folks it's really hard for him to have introspection and really see the issues that he has. But but it does happen, I mean, I get emails from men saying I I read this book, which is shocking to me. I'm like, Oh, sorry. <laughs> like I apologize. I <laughs> you know, which makes me think like, do I need to write one for men? But, but it's, but it's fascinating how men, they do, the, do they they want to change. Okay. Well, that, that they, they notice that this is a pattern for them and they want love. I mean, the commitment phobe wants one thing as you'll, you'll notice when you read the book, he wants to commit. Yes. Commitment foes want to commit. And that's, that's what's so crazy when people say, well, how do you, how do you look for signs of commitment phobia? It's like, well, it's hard, I mean, because they come at you, like, really... I mean, honestly, the biggest sign is that they come out too strong. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Because they really, really want this commitment on some level. They want this love. And then they end up sabotaging it, you know? And then you realize, like, oh, there's, there's another bomb. There's another sabotaging to this. And they don't even realize they're doing it. I mean, it's a whole it's a whole childhood trauma dance that both parties are, are doing. Everyone's just living out their
2: childhood trauma. So well, and start. that's what you I know, was found so interesting, Emily, as well in your book, where you talk about for the men, for the commitment phobe, like their childhood experience. Can you talk some about, about that? Yeah. So I found that many,
0: many commitment phobes have um, abandonment issues around their father. Um, So, you know, it's like, was, was he, you know, did he leave, you know, physically? Um, Did he Abandon you in this, in the sense of the emotional abandonment. Was he overworked? Was he he not teaching you that you are loved no matter what your emotions are? You know, um, it's a lot. I mean, I hate to put all the blame on fathers out there because it's, I mean, it's our parents and it's our childhood and it's our, you know, for me, my trauma as a love addict, you know, I, I was abandoned by my, my, by my mother and then, you know, she eventually came back later on, but then I had a father who was very emotionally, completely unavailable to me and and didn't show me love. And then I, you know, and then I had, you know, on top of that, you have like, you know, molestation and and sexual abuse and all these other things and and everything kind of adds up. I was sort of the quintessential, like I, who, I didn't have a chance in hell, right, but, but, you know, but there's different, there's different levels of trauma, but any kind of trauma can trigger um, attachment disorders, which is what this really is. It's just, it is. it's like you want to connect and instead of connecting, you're attaching, you know, which is going to cause you pain. Attachment causes pain because you're attaching for the wrong reasons. You're, you're not connecting, but you know, yeah, uh, so the commitment phobe has, you know, he's, it's, it's a lot of underlying, it's, it's a lot of insecurities. People think like, oh, the commitment folks. a lot of them come across as, you know, co- very confident. You know, you look, I look at, you know, a lot of men that have these issues—they're very competent people. You, you go, they're very secure, they're, and then underneath, there's
2: tons of insecurities just kind of eating away at them. You know what I mean? And then they end up sabotaging things. Would you say it's it's accurate even that they're they're competent in certain areas? Of their lives. It might be oh, professionally, absolutely. it might be financially, yeah. but when it comes right. to intimacy, there's, um, you know, like a, a lack of skillfulness, a lack of development there compared to the other aspects of his personality.
0: Yeah, that's exactly right. And I find that a lot of them have, um, you know, have really successful areas of their lives. And it's just that their relationship area is not successful you know, yeah. so that's exactly right. They they put their energy into something else. A lot of them are workaholics. A lot mm-hmm. of them are sexaholics. A lot of mm-hmm. them are alcoholics. I mean, there's a lot of like, but there's a lot of, um, also addiction around that type of person that can be, can be addiction, but it could be just, you know, love addict. I mean, um, you know, sex addiction or work addiction, you know, those kinds of things. And, you know, and then go on and then I'll ask. you. So I was going to say, I was going to go to cheating and cheating is on a whole nother thing. I was like, oh, you right. could, you know, you know, most, you know, not all commitment phobes, how do I say this? All all commitment phobes probably
2: eventually cheat, but not not all cheaters are commitment phobes. Right. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Not every cheater is a commitment phobe. There could be other reasons underlying. Sure. But for the commitment phobe, at some point, there could very likely be cheating to even sabotage, as you mentioned a few moments ago, to sabotage the relationship, give it a reason yeah, to end, yeah, to disrupt the get, intimacy it, and the attachment.
0: Yeah, and I think of it like it's an alcoholic. The commitment phobe needs to get that um, the alcohol from outside of the relationship. I need to get that my getting you know, the anxiety off my back and get that connection with somebody else to to build up my ego and to feel good about myself again. And you know, and, and so many women are dealing with men. Uh, commitment folks, I should say, that that are cheating and they're taking it so personally. And of course, I mean, nobody wants to be with somebody who cheats, but it's not about you. It's not because you're not good enough or you're not pretty enough or you don't have things to say or you not a great partner. It's like, that's the biggest issue I find in love addicts is, is
2: worried about what they did to push somebody away. Right. Feeling overly responsible. Yeah. Right. You right. know, as I was going through your book, Emily, I couldn't help but be reminded when I was going through social work school and even in my own experience of my parents and the narcissistic borderline relationship, though my parents like there was never a document, you know, saying your mom's borderline and your father's narcissistic. But as I've grown and yeah. learned what I went through, I feel like I yeah. definitely was raised by those at least people on that spectrum of both disorders and, and yeah. not getting my... Needs met at the secure, you know, not having secure attachment, right. still having to learn that as an adult how to attach yeah. and be vulnerable, and knowing that if somebody leaves, it, at least I was vulnerable, and that's the growth edge, and that muscle gets right. stronger. And it's not my fault to be right. authentic and and such. Do you is this a similar kind of dynamic, the commitment phobe pho- and love addict, or is it slightly different? Because I sense there might be some differences.
0: Yeah, I mean, they think there some slight differences, but for the most part. Yes, I was going to mention the the mother aspect of this, as well as a good point is is one that might enmesh, but one that also is um, can be narcissistic or has narcissistic behaviors or self-absorption. You know, um, they're all kind of intertwined on some level. But yeah, as long as we sort of keep telling ourselves or, or, or working on ourselves in a way to to get our own self love, you know. A lot. A lot of parents have kids because they want that kid to love them. Yes, I'm going to have a child because I need the love. And and unfortunately, a lot of mothers do that. I think mine my, my might have been one of them. You know, I mean, I don't know, but there's certainly um, self-absorption that that people parents can have, and they don't or aren't able to give to their kids what they need to give in a healthy mm-hmm. way, and so their kids kind of take on all these other crazy um, emotional responsibilities and, and they start to make up self, things about themselves because they're not being taught
2: proper ways to, to relate. And typically negative statements about ourselves that we're not sure. good enough. Yes. We're not, we have to work for love, things that you talk yes. about in your book, especially again in the end where it's healing and, and really changing the messaging to ourselves and creating yes. a new reality of what yes. we believe about ourselves yeah, and and then we learn later on. Absolutely, we learn
0: later on that I, if I give you sex, you will give me love, or at least what mm. feels like love. Right. You know that that's a big thing with love addiction is is that
2: formula that and, sex it means love. It equals yeah, love. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And that's not necessarily it, the it's case. It's like
0: it's like a weapon. It's like a it's like a the biggest tool in your toolbox.
2: And for love
0: addict, it's like, well, I'm going to use that. That that that's working. Even though it's just—it's all it's doing—is really keeping your head above water, so you're not drowning. That's yeah. all that's really good. It's not helping you on any, on any in any real way in your in your
2: life. You know, it's helping you survive, not thrive, not thrive exactly. Mm-hmm. And you know, in your book, for our listeners to know, you give so many um, like short and succinct examples of couples that you've worked with and the presenting issues on both sides that I found really helpful so that people, women can identify that. Do, do you ever find women like coming to you just kind of unsure what's going on and you help them understand this pattern? Do you think most women know they're in this type of relationship? You know, personally, I have found that
0: most women don't know yeah. that they're in this situation. And I think that when they, you know, there's got to be a nice way to help somebody, you know, realize this because you have to be very um careful because I think what happens is they like, Oh my gosh, this is me. Oh no. Like this is horrible. Like it's the worst news on the planet, Mm. you know, but, but at the same time, it's actually great news. That means you have total control over your life. You don't have to be victim to your behaviors anymore. Now you can, you can change your patterns and you can make, you can make a new you, you can create yourself all over again. You don't have to be the person that you've been you, you know what I mean? So it's good. It's good news in that sense. But some people look at it like, oh, it's bad, this is bad news. Now I'm now I'm now I'm damaged. You know, it's like, well, right. you're not damaged. We're all damaged. We're all walking around in some kind. Of- when you drive a vehicle so reliable, it's backed by a ten year, one hundred thousand mile limited warranty. You stop thinking about what you can't do, and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia, movement that inspires. Call eight hundred three 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 four Kia for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include ten year one hundred thousand mile powertrain and five year sixty thousand mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. Mental institution, you know, on some level, <laughs> you know. Um, <laughs> but you know, it's about recognizing what your what your damage is, so you can you can clean that up, and, and it's it's not that hard to do. It's, it seems impossible, but it's not. As long as you can you can sit through the pain, the only way out is through. You have to go through your feelings. You have to go through your past to get to the other side. Yes. You can't ignore it. You can't ignore
2: sex and drugs and alcohol. Right. And what you're speaking yeah. to, I mean, I can even remember the moment where it's kind of like I felt like my unconsciousness fell from my eyes, or like the wolf fell from my eyes, whatever the expression is, where it's mm-hmm. like how I had been creating these unsatisfied, like deep, like satisfying on some level and have been learning skills to create where it's like, oh my gosh, like I'm contributing to this. Like I can take some responsibility. And at first it was so painful and so scary. And I felt so like inept, but then it's like, well, no, well, what are the skills? Like other women heal from this? Like, what, what do I need to look at? And I found it was through kind of presenting myself differently and everything's not, I'm not cool with everything like I thought I was, or like I thought I needed to be like, no, I, I, this is not acceptable. I do like, you know, being called back or text back or, you know, like whatever it is. And just setting those, like letting people know, setting the expectation. And if they're not met, you know, there's, there's other people like this isn't the only one for me. Can you speak to some of that? Yeah. Yeah.
0: And so it's like knowing, it's like you just said, knowing that we are responsible for our lives and we're responsible for our behaviors is actually really empowering as yeah. opposed to just willy nilly and like, Oh, I did this in the past and this is the only way I know how to behave. But you know, but yeah. So what, what I think the question that people ask, a lot of love addicts ask is why doesn't he want, why doesn't he love me? And the question mm. should be, why do I want somebody who doesn't love me? It doesn't matter why they don't love you. Maybe they can't love, which is, a, which is a truth of the, for a lot of commitment folks. Maybe you're just not right for them on some level. I mean, whatever the case may be, why do you want somebody who doesn't love you or want I, you?
2: It, I think that goes, and yeah, go on. Yeah. And I'll say. Go well, on. I was going to say, it's,
0: it's fine that nobody, That yeah, I, I, t- I tell this to my five-year-old all the time. It's like, if somebody doesn't like you, that's okay. Not everybody's going
2: to like you. Right. And that's okay. Yeah. I was thinking how that, the women that tell you, why doesn't he love me? And just that desperation and that like really, like really not knowing and really feeling like it's your fault going yeah. back to the childhood wound of not being loved, yeah. just how it right. really, I think mirrors the confusion of the young one, yeah. the little one, just not understanding and yes. how painful and that it,
0: is. Right. And sometimes it's just the consciousness of drawing that connection to our past. That can be half the battle. You're and they said, "Oh, wait! I got it. This is why I do this." And then you can do the work to 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 be healthier in the future and to love yourself so that you're not so worried about somebody who who doesn't love you. A lot of women I see, I, a lot of people just seem to want to wait for this person to come back once they've left. Once the commitment mm. has left, they wait and it's like, okay, I just, I just want to be good enough for them. And I want to wait for them. And, I want, and it's like, usually they come back. And that's the thing about the commitment. You probably read in the book, they, they leave, but then they return only to leave again. Yes. You know? And, you know, usually they come back. And, and I, for me, you know, in all of my love addiction, they've all come back, um, you know, I mean? at some point they've all come back, but at that point either you moved on to another commitment foe, or, you know, eventually you healed from it. But you will you will keep, you know, repeating this pattern until you until you
2: open open your eyes and, and learn that this is exactly that. That it's just a pattern. And that's what you're talking about is one of the things that stood out to me in your book and going through the, the studies of couples and their stories is that some of the women, it was like a sequential repetition of of men like that. And then the ones that got it, it was like, aha. And it, it was seemed like almost immediately after is when they met their true love, when they were yes. able to say no to the yes. commitment phobe and take a stand for themselves, that they met a yes. man who was available. Yes. And it was like so exciting to, to read yeah. that love is here for us. Love is yes. available. I mean, yes, yeah, because so many women think they think, oh, well, this
0: is what I've experienced in the past with men. So I, I don't believe there's a man out there that, that doesn't do a power struggle or doesn't pull away or doesn't try to sabotage or isn't shut down because that's been their experience. And it's like, no, men out there,
2: they,
0: they, they, they do exist. And these are men who are committed in their lives, who love themselves, who aren't run by their ego, who aren't shut down to their emotions, and who want a relationship. And th- those there's a plethora of those men,
2: yes. And you talk about those men as well in in your book, just about love yeah. the security, being really cherished, being really appreciated, and what to vision into that, which we can talk about after after the break if you'd like. Great. Yeah, perfect. Okay. I'll bring you right back on, Emily in just a couple minutes. So as my listener of all things therapy, is there something that interferes with your? Happiness or is preventing you from achieving your goals. My sponsor, betterhelp.com, is an online secure counseling platform. They assess your needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist. They connect you in a safe and private online environment. You can get started with someone in under 24 hours. It is professional counseling with licensed professionals, and they deal with issues related to depression, stress, anxiety, relationships, family conflict, grief, self-esteem, and it's confidential, professional, affordable. And if you want to try them out as my listener, they offer you 10% off your first month by going to betterhelp.com forward slash A-T-T, standing for All Things Therapy. And the company's called BetterHelp, B-E-T-T-E-R-H-E-L-P.com forward slash All Things Therapy, A-T-T. They are HIPAA compliant and secure for online counseling, which is really big right now while we're uh, staying at home and working remotely and such. So check them out. Additionally, if you are into audiobooks like I am, audible.com is offering you a free month to try them out as my listener. You simply go to audibletrial.com forward slash all things therapy for your first 30 days free to try out downloading their books. I know I love audiobooks, so check that out audibletrial.com forward slash all things therapy. Okay, Emily, so I'm not sure how you want to spend our last 15 minutes. I know you mentioned there are different types of commitment phobes. I know you talk about a beautiful way that love addicts can heal. What feels yes. right for you to well, we continue? We can go over a couple of the types and then talk about the healing.
0: We don't, or if you just want to do the, um, that, the healing, that's fine too. It's
2: no, I think going you. through some of the types will be helpful for listeners. Okay. So if they're listening yeah. and wondering, oh my God, am I with? a man like right. this, like maybe to give them some of what you right. know to help them. Yeah, sure. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So the t- we'll so, go sorry, you uh, talk about some of the I'm type. No, bit. it's
0: okay. <laughs> <laughs> so what, you know, I mean, so as far as the type, let's the, the main type, I will try to do them briefly because there's a few of them, but the main type is the unconscious commitment. Phobia. So this is sort of the main one because he doesn't really know that he's got commitment phobia is the one that lurches headfirst into a relationship and says, I want to do this. And he spends the first probably few weeks basically opening up to you, telling you he wants to get married, telling you he wants to have kids. I mean, there's, there's a lot of promises happening mm. um, really early on with this guy, which, which can be a red flag because coming on that strong usually is not a healthy relationship, you know, um, Back and forth. um They also have a hard time taking responsibility. They blame blame other people for things in their lives that are going wrong. um Things like this. So the second type is the conscious commitment phobe. And so this is the one that's aware that they have the problem. This is the one that says, "I know that I don't want a relationship." And when this guy says that, we need to listen to them. You know, when people yes. tell you who they are, believe them. um And that's and I I have a lot of respect for that guy. I and mean, I mean, yeah. there's nothing wrong with not wanting to commit. Nobody ever said you have to be in a relationship. Exactly. Some of the happiest people I know are single, you know? So there's nothing wrong with that. And he's saying, hey, I don't want one. And that's great. But just no way to getting yourself into. Now, the married commitment phobe is another one. This, unfortunately, is just rampant. I mean, it's Mm. a lot of women getting involved with married men, for starters. So we're talking about the mistresses here that are just total love addicts. And then mm. the men, the men who, the women who the men are married to, um, who are being cheated on are, are kind of are victim to this, but you know, there's, there's love addiction kind of wrapped around all of that, but it's, uh, you know, men, com- commitment folks also get married. They absolutely get married and then they just end up having affairs in the yeah. relationship.
2: You talk um, about that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And then the next one would be the female commitment folks. So there are women that you know our commitment phobic, Absolutely, um, it's not just men. It just happens to be a little more prevalent in that area. There's the long distance commitment phobe, and this is a big one because it's like, oh well, I can have this relationship and then do what I want when I want because I don't really have to connect with this person physically. Um, yes. There's the online commitment phobe. Of course, this is the one who's on all of the all of the social media platforms and dating apps and you know, swiping left or right or whatever that case may be. Yeah. Um, You know, and then there's the multi-phobe. And this guy has a a gaggle of women all at the same time around him. You know, whether they know about each other or not, he just can't have just one. He's got a lot of them. Um, And there's, you know, the instant commitment phobe. And this is the guy who's already kind of mentally packing his bag, you know, right as he approaches you during last call at a bar. You know what I mean? He's mm. just, it's quick. It's like the one night stand guy. Yeah. You know, who just kind of disappears, you know, and part of it's our fault. You know what I mean? What do we expect when we're going to sleep with some guy we met at a bar the first night? You know, so we have you know, all of these things we can take responsibility in, you know, but we can, you know, we, we talk about healing so we can go into the, the power of self-love, which is... It's, I mean, I know that it's like kind of being said to death these days. And let's be honest, like self-love
2: yourself. I mean, it's everywhere. It's on every T-shirt. Yeah, like what is that? Puts, what does that really right. boil down to for us what, as the individual?
0: Yeah, I, and I think it boils down to people think I have to fix myself to love myself. No, you don't have to fix anything about yourself. You know, you, you can love yourself just as you are. And mm. God knows I'm a really – um I, I'm a person that has a lot of issues. I came from a, a, a big past. I, can't, I have a lot of trauma, I have a lot of issues, but I love myself anyway. I love myself yeah. through those. We don't, we don't have to be a perfect person in order to love ourselves. You know what I mean? It's in, in as far as love addiction, it's releasing the victim. It's saying, okay, I'm not going to be a victim to this anymore. I'm going to stand in this power and say, you know what? Do I want to be with this person? Do I want, am I getting what I want? It's not all about what am I giving to this relationship? Yeah. So that I can get, it's like, well, what about just you looking out for you? Um, you know, women have to learn to sometimes be, not sometimes be, but this is what I am here. And with a healthy, committed relationship, there's no power struggle. There's no I'm up here ever or you're down here ever. Mm. It, doesn't, it mm-hmm. just doesn't exist. Um, and I think women, uh, love addicts, have a hard time really believing that, like that, that exists. I think there's power struggle in every relationship. It's like, well, no, in every relationship you've been in, and every relationship I had been in had always been a power struggle as well until, you know, until I had a, a committed, healthy relationship. And then we talked about this a little bit before, but like forgiveness and forgiving yourself and forgiving yes. your behaviors. Like we beat ourselves up so badly. Yeah. It's like, I can't believe I did this. I can't believe I called him and I can't believe I said this. And It's like, you've got to, you've got to cut yourself some slack. Absolutely. You know, all you're doing is trying to survive because as a child, you were trying to survive whatever trauma you were going through, you were, you were, you were surviving that and go into the survival mode. Like I can't lose this person, you know? So there's, there's certainly things we can do um, to move out of that phase of love addiction and being that we're all in quarantine right now. I've been speaking a lot about this recently because it's like, this is a great time for love addicts who don't have access to men or their little black book. It's like, you know, put down, your social media and really sit there with this pain, sit in your pain. It is so uncomfortable, but in order to get to the other side, we have to be willing to be uncomfortable. We have to, there's no, there's no other option. Pain is like pain is
2: actually the, the quickest doorway to the other side. To healing. yes. Yeah. So wh- yeah. what are some things that, that women can do right now with this time as to really d- like go there and heal? Well, Yeah. Well, I mean, one of
0: the things is, is, is writing out your story is just mm-hmm. saying, okay, what happened to me when I was young? What did I feel? What are those feelings relating out? Journaling and writing. And it sounds so cliche, but it is so cathartic. It's like, it's like it brings it out onto paper and you can look at it and see it objectively so that you know, you're not it. You're not that. You are just a, a product of what that brought on. Um So journaling is, is really important. Reading. I mean, reading any any books on you know, and love. I mean, there's this Love Warrior. There's you know, Marion Williamson wrote Re- Return to Love, which is yes. an amazing book on love. Amazing. I mean, that yes, yeah, like genius. Talk about a genius. And yeah. there's just so there. I mean, there's so many books out there right now that can help you um, really heal. And the other aspect is the, the meditation, which I know is so again, which I'm so cliche, but sitting there and really feeling what this is writing letters to your father, to your mother, you don't have to give them. It doesn't mean to, you know, mail them. It just means you're writing it for yourself. Like this happened to me and this was really hurtful and this is how I felt. And this is, this is what I'm doing now. This is how I'm acting out in my adult drama. You know, it's so powerful
2: to heal, to go through that. And even burn them in your sink to release that old pattern and those feelings. Absolutely it's so important. I mean, it's, and and then you get to create, once you, once you're empty, and here's
0: the best thing about love addiction is that when the last person is left or when you finally have finished with that last relationship, you're usually sitting there and you're an empty shell Mm. because you usually don't know who you are. Like, who am I without this person? Who am I? And then you get to say, I'm going to write down all of the things I want to be and who I want to be. I want to be great. I want to be powerful. I want to be confident. I want to be self-loved. I want to you know, and then you start to, as they say, fake it till you make it. You just start to mimic those, those characteristics and those personalities that you want to embody. And you start to put those behaviors into action. How would a confident, um, self-loved, graceful person behave? Yes. What would they do, you know? In, yes, in, 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 I love this. Yeah, yeah. And it's, it's really, I mean, it sounds, again, sounds so odd, but it's so powerful to, to do this. And you can, and it's not like it's that hard. I and mean, we're talking about basically, you know, the kids can do this, you know, little children can do this, you know, but now we can just do these things with, with um, intention, you know, and, and knowing that you, you're supported and knowing that the universe is always looking out for your best possible outcome in any given situation. You know, and and if and if there's a man that comes around, he's not good for you. You're not going to get that man if he's not good for you. It's not going to happen anymore. When I when I became um, a self loving individual, I I mean you wouldn't even believe. I mean you, I used to be bombarded by men, bombarded by commitment folks. And and as soon as I loved myself, I, it was like, I mean you you didn't go alone in a desert. It's like I wasn't even a magnet to that anymore. It mm-hmm. was the the magnet point of gone. attraction changed. Yes. Yeah exactly yes the point of attraction is everything and you will meet that person that you want to be with when you are at that point of attraction that says i'm happy i love myself and it doesn't matter if I ever meet anybody i'm just i i have me and that's bam and that's where i was and i bumped into my husband on a sidewalk i (laughs) met him you know on a street and then we got married a year later but you know i had written down all the things i wanted in a person I've written down all the qualities because I was very, very um, much into the law of attraction like you are. And I thought, I can create this person. I can do this. And I did. Yes. I created him. And that's how I, and that's wow. how I met him. I bumped, I bumped into him. But people don't realize, like, you don't have to go out there and try to find somebody. You just have to know what you want.
2: Yeah. And I like that. Your your book is based in psychology and I'm going to say spirituality and whatever spirituality of your reader that they're able to build in kind of their belief system. I like that you talk about that well-being is the natural state of the universe, that there is a loving just kind of force, whatever. I mean, I call it spirit, the universe. People can call it whatever they want, but that it's on our side. And once we step on the path of consciously saying, I want to change my pattern, I want available love. I want uh, reciprocal love that there are also forces that come help us as we're going through these painful letters to our parents or to past partners, releasing ourselves, releasing them. You know, as you go through that journaling and all the tears come up and you're letting go of the judgments of yourself and the anger that that's also clearing you out, as you said, for like this love to come in, and you start literally attracting new and different types of experiences and people, and even to, right. to play with the universe. Like today, you know, show me how much you love me. I'll say that. Like, show me how much you love me today. Right. And I'll just kind of my text or call, and it just helps you feel better in general, which is what attracts better feeling experiences. Right. Exactly. It does and you talk exactly about right. this in your book too. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, be supported the universe will
0: support you in what you want, but be careful because the universe will support you in what you don't want. You know, Can we you gotta, say we more about that. that. Yeah. I mean, when we talk about what we don't want, like, well, the universe like, oh, you don't want that. Here you go. It's like, we need to change the way we view things. And like, well, this is what I want. It's forget about, I don't want a commitment. I don't want a guy who's not going to uh, love yes, me. Yes. That's so I important. Don't want somebody- yeah. And instead we need to say, I want somebody who's who's self-loving and who wants to give me the same. I want somebody that puts me first. I want somebody that makes me a priority. I want somebody that shows me what real love is, you know, instead of don't want, I don't want, because that's always just coming from a place of of lack and a place of worry and fear. So we just have to make sure we come from a place of, here's what I want. I put what I don't want in the past. I've learned from it. And thank God I've learned from it because if that wasn't there, I wouldn't know what I want now. I wouldn't know how to get there.
2: Yes. The contrast shows us that what we don't want helps us identify what we do want. And we can then say that a hundred times. (laughs) What what I do want, like more of this, this, and this is what I hear you saying. Yes.
0: Contrast is everything.
2: It's,
0: it's, you know, I'm so grateful for all the horrible things that I went through because
2: I wouldn't have the amazing life that I feel like I have now. Have now. Yes. That you've created. Right. Emily, I'm yeah. I'm loving our time together. And this book for listeners to know, it, it's really great because you so break down the love addict and the commitment phobe and language that's so relatable. And one thing that we didn't highlight that's in your book is that this pattern often begins where the woman is being pursued by a man they're not even that interested in. So, like, beware of that. If you, yeah. you know, you don't have to give in to somebody that's just wearing you down. I, that just stood right. out to me too. Like listen <laughs> to your instincts and your intuition that you talk about yeah. later in the book. It's our guide to guide us. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Very true. So how how can readers find you and get your book and such? Um the book is on Amazon. I think it's on some other places.
0: Um but mostly I mostly I think that's the easiest way is Amazon. And you know I'm at the I'm at Emily Wilcox.net and there's more information on the book in there and yeah, what I love about the book, I mean, of course I wrote it, I love the book, but I mean, yeah. you know, again, you know, I'm i am not running for president, thank God, so I don't, I don't, yeah. I'm not the smartest person in the room, but I certainly, no, love addiction, but this, um this book is an easy read, that's what I love about it, is that when people read it, they're like, oh my God, I read it, like on an airplane, I read it, like in a day, and you know, it's just, it's really simple and easy read for, for anybody to get themselves out of
2: this cycle that out they, of that they out of a, a of yes. Yeah out of yeah. the victimization and the depression and the and the just really hard place where you feel so disempowered yeah. it's a book yeah, to help you, to you empower that, yourself right and to know that it's not you like you're not this is not he didn't abandon you
0: because you are a bad person or you are not good looking enough or whatever the your, your insecurity is that's not why this relationship didn't work it's not because of you it's because is because of the connection. It's because this connection is broken. Right. Yeah.
2: Yes. Emily, thank you so much. I've loved interviewing you and- Thank you, Lisa. I really loved I, your book. You're so welcome. I can't wait for yours. Thank you for having me. Thank you. You're welcome. Okay. <laughs> then I will hopefully talk to you later. or See you around okay. LA. <laughs> Take care. Take care. <laughs> okay. You too. <laughs> Bye.
1: with 25% off at virtual.com slash podcast. At Grand Canyon University, we believe in equal opportunity and the American dream starts with purpose. Whether your pursuit involves a bachelor's, master's, or doctoral degree, GCU's learning environments are designed for supportive networking and collaboration. With over 330 academic programs, GCU provides a path to help you fulfill your dreams.